Recording in the snap. Hey. Recording. Play the opening. Oh, yeah. I'm still getting used to this. Okay. Used to what we were used to. What, what am I doing? You're traveling through another dimension, a dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. That's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, dark territory. I know she's not deaf or dumb or retarded or anything. Ordering in Wonderland's Either Horace, but I think we're all like that. We remember what was good and we black out what was bad. No, we don't. Maybe because we couldn't live if we didn't. Sorry, I saw outro and I thought intro because I'm an in it. <laughs> the plant with its roots in hell. Uh, freaking. <laughs> Goodness gracious! You know what? Just, just see him have now. a cigar, Phoenix. A big happy grin on his face just before he draws the blood. Have a cigar, Mr. Dietrich. Uh, Mr. Dietrich. Okay. Sorry, I just wanted to get some more mileage out of that five and a half hours. You're traveling through another dimension—a dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. That's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, Dark Territory. I know she's not deaf or dumb or retarded or anything. Ordering in Wonderland's The Twilight Zone Review. I came in here to talk to you about your design for the new robot. Now, there's something out of whack. Listen, uh, we used to gallop out of the theater and shoot up the whole neighborhood. <laughs> Got you right in the heart. Hey, you cuckoo. You cuckoo. You missed me a mile. Bing! Bing! Horace. Bing! Horace. <laughs> Have you got any idea how loud you're yelling? I'll bet you could hear that all the way down to Mr. Jensen's office. How Jensen's much? Off. How much? I'll bet you my ball of silver paper. You remember that, Leonard? Remember when you used to collect tin foil from cigarette packs and roll them with a great big ball? Horace, I came in here to talk to you about the new robot toy. Now, I've worked in the office next to you for 15 years. I know all about how you used to collect tin foil. Now, will you listen to me for a second? You must have had a very miserable time when you were a kid. Right. I couldn't wait till I grew up. Mr. Horace Ford, who has a preoccupation with another time. A time of childhood, a time of growing up, a time of street games, stickball, and hide-and-go-seek. He has a reluctance to check out a mirror and see the nature of his image, proof positive that the time he dwells in has already passed him by. But in a moment or two, he'll discover that mechanical toys and memories and daydreaming and wishful thinking and all manner of odd and special events can lead one into a special province, uncharted and unmapped. A country of both shadow and substance known as the Twilight Zone. Holy Artismo, I'm Phoenix West. Holy What's what's an Artismo? Autism oh, in Spanish. Oh. Holy <laughs> El Retardo. I'm Bob <laughs> Franklin. <laughs> 
Is this not the spiritual cousin of the miniature with Robert Duvall? I would say. You remember that episode? Yeah, I would say they they were like, you know, it worked so well the first time. Let's double down hard, 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 hard. Yes, it, it, it's double down and also like an extra chromosome down. Yeah, uh, they they went fucking for it. They they swung for the 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 mentally deficient fences in this episode. I I mentioned beforehand. One second, Frank. Let me get out this thought here because I'm on a roll. Because I've been listening and watching these episodes all day long. That's what I did as I watched the... I got the Blu-ray set. I watched the commentaries with Mark Scott Zickery. I cannot disagree with him less on episodes. He wa- we watched. I watched uh, a couple episodes with his commentary, and I'm like, oh, he, he's like, this episode's great, including this one, Incredible World of Horace Ford. And he's like, oh, it's, it's this one works. It's so funny. And then I watched the... Will the Room Martian please stand up? A great episode. And he's like, this is a great comedy. And I'm like, this is a comedy? No, it's not. And then I watched it with the other comment. Yeah, he's talking about all these beat points that are comedic. And I'm like, I get how it's a slightly, slightly humorous because of one character who has a crazy eye. It's really just a deficiency the guy has from birth. He was a red herring. From childhood. Nothing more, nothing less. Yes, it's not a comedy by any sense of the word. And he kept going, here's a here's a scene, and it's so funny, huh? And the other guy I listened to in the commentary as well in the Blu-ray mentions it's a comedy at the very end. And I'm like, I never thought about this as a comedy because it's not funny. It's not even trying to be funny. Because it's a it's a less serious version of what the monsters are doing Maple Street. Unfor- it's all this episode is to me. Look, Rod could do drama. Rod could do suspense. Rod could do sci-fi. Rod could do a lot of genres. Unfortunately, there's one he could not do. Porn. No, no, no. Remember last week? He he can do porn. Oh, The Fugitive. He could do porn. I'm sorry. Fuck right. Um, But he could not do comedy to save his life. He could do pedophilic erotica very well. Not comedy, though. I uh, me bone last week. I I know you're looking at Zickory's book right now. I'm not disparaging Zickory at all. The man's a fucking... Scholar for Twilight Zone. Uh, I have nothing against him. I just, me and him have very different, op- like polar opposite views on what we like as Twilight Zone episodes. Time out. Time out. Just yeah. because you write a fucking book on a TV show you didn't produce or have nothing to do with, doesn't mean you're a scholar. He, no, he he is as far as he know. He could tell you like episodes, who wrote it, who did the music. Like he is good at that sort of you stuff. You know who's a scholar? Dude, look into this book. It's literally the size of my head. <laughs> That's a big book, okay? Um, <clears throat> it's it's from uh, it's not what was it Zickery? It, okay, so you know the uh, the companion is Twilight Zone companion. Yeah, the Twilight Zone companion is Mark Scott Zickery. Scott Zickery. Yeah, the other one is um, Graham Television so, Classic. Graham something. Yeah. yeah, him. Television Classic. Yeah. yeah, and it's like it's this thick. Like you can find out how much the mannequins cost in like after hours, like if you cared for some reason. You can find out how much every single episode cost. So, you know, if you thought an episode sucked real bad, just flip to that, and you can find out why. <laughs> yeah, it's like behind the television class. I forget what the name of the book is exactly. I don't have it. I looked it up. It's still like forty or fifty bucks on Amazon. I'm like, oh god. 
I don't know if I could. Yeah, but you know what? Justify that purchase. Time out, dude. Go to eBay. They're so much cheaper because Amazon sells those missing four one one books by um um uh, David Paulides for ninety nine dollars, and you know how much they are on his website? Fourteen bucks. From there you from go. David Politis. And he literally says, every radio show and, and appearance, he goes, do not go to Amazon. That's people yeah. buying my books and selling them for 100 bucks. Selling, yeah. And I'm like, Paul, you shouldn't have told me that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not going to cut of that. No, he doesn't get a single cut because I haven't given him a penny. <laughs> well, it, like if someone buys his book and sells it on, on Amazon, he's not going to get a penny of that. So he's like, go to eBay. I'm fucking selling it on you, eBay for 15 bucks. You mean after Frank heard that seven months ago, <laughs> yeah. I bought 20 of them and they're all gone. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, don't give me an idea because I will run with it. <laughs> don't give me a get rich slow scheme. You know I'm on top of that. It's a- eventually it's Amazon get rich quick scheme, son. <laughs> they lasted a day and a half. I should I should shut up. The point is, if you're selling it for only that much markup, you'd have to sell several thousand copies to get rich. So it's a get rich slow scheme. I I bought, dude, Paul. Paul, David Paul Lights, if you buy the entire series, which is 14 books, you get a 30% discount. Um, so I had me, my wife, my mom, my sister. Well, not, well, not my sister. I don't I don't talk to that for her. Um, uh, and I tried to get her soon-to-be ex-husband to do it, but he's a spineless bitch, so he wouldn't do it either. So it was just us three. But So that's, what, four, four, 14 times three. And... Uh, that was a week before Christmas. This is a week after New Year's, and they are all gone. I made a killing, son, and I lied every word of that. No way. Yep, totally made it up. Couldn't tell. <laughs> well, except for how much of a whore my sister is. Yeah, I know that, but uh, the point is, your sister will call me back, and we need to talk about The Incredible World of Horace Ford, episode 415. Frank, after this, we only got three more episodes of season four, and I looked it up. We started season four in January of 2019, so January 28th. So by the time we finish, it'll be just under a year for one fucking season of a show. That's enough to make and produce the show for the producers at CBS. Although I would like to thank Rod Serling for making season four so insanely difficult and 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 just like where Phoenix and I had to take a three month hiatus just to recharge, so we didn't hate the show because it was starting to sound like we hated the show. See, I want to blame him, but listening to the commentary about season four, apparently he went to go teach in Antioch for free this entire season. Yeah, for free. <laughs> so he went and taught. And that's why when he does his commentary in this episode and goes to his intro, he's just like sitting in a chair smoking. (laughs) He wrote two. He did pen two of them in season four. He did the next episode. Yeah. Which. On Thursday we leave for home. This episode he did not do. And you can. This one was. You can definitely tell. Written by. Yeah. I'm sorry. Reginald Rose and Rod Sterling's there as credit, but Reginald Rose, who the fuck that is. You don't know who Reginald Rose is, dude? He is. Apparently not. He's an American gem. I'm not possibly. I don't know who he is. I don't either. I'm looking him up right now. <laughs> I have no idea who he is. We'll find out. <laughs> he sounds like a lesbian. Uh, I, he died in 2002. So who did he murder? He wrote 12 Angry Men, which is fucking great. Oh, I, I love that book. 
Yeah, he wrote that. He wrote the screenplay for whose life? Oh, whose life is it anyway? I thought it said whose line. Like, was, how do you write a screenplay for an like, improv show? That was improv, <laughs> dude. Who is your favorite improv guy on whose line is it anyway? Ryan Styles by far. Oh, dude. So hey, high five, high five. Yeah, and then Colin Mockery. Yeah, yeah, but do you think he wrote like actors make stuff up? Here's my screenplay. <laughs> like, no, because be- no, but he did. Whose life is it anyway? Nineteen eighty one. He wrote a lot. I'll give him credit. I just never, I've heard his name before, but I don't know whether, you know, never looked into him before. Yeah, because. He looks like a president from 1820. Um, what, who, like Cleveland? Yeah, like a Grover Cleveland without the mustache. Yo, you know, Sam Manila did a video on, on the assassination of Grover Frank Cleveland. Twilight Zone. Just Twilight saying. Zone. Just saying. Oh, as we talk about <laughs> Grover Cleveland. Okay, moving on. <laughs> what the hell was this one called again? I can't find it. So, this episode is The Incredible World of Horace Ford. Thank you. Can I just... you want me to just do the intro and just blow through it? Go. Can I just go for Dude, it? Dude, I will not interrupt you for the next 10 minutes. Okay. You look it up. I'm going to go through this episode because I will just say, Frank, pause. What did you think of this episode? I hated it. Phoenix, put yourself in season one Phoenix TZ mode that I fell in love with. Go. Okay. So... Begins off severe autismo. This is a guy. Uh, his name is Horace Ford, plays by Pat Hingle, who we know as Commissioner Gordon in the Tim Burton Batman movies, actually the Joel Schumacher Batman movies as well. But he he's he's goddamn dead. But the point is, he's working at a toy shop. He makes toys. He makes robots, and they have to pronounce his robots. So he's sitting there making a robot, and his, his coworker comes in, who's incredibly far up his ass, like, hey. Horace Ford, how's it going? I'm going to be your best friend, but also not give a shit about a word you say. The second you start talking, suddenly I got office paperwork on my desk. I'm going to head the fuck out of your office. I don't know why he's friends with him. It wouldn't make any sense. In the real life, you would avoid this guy because you think he's going to come with his gun and shoot everybody. But uh, in this, he comes in, asks his questions, and then leaves. Horace Ford asks, what about Betty? How's Betty doing? I'm like, who the fuck is Betty? And I'm like, Betty must be Horace Ford's wife. It's not. Who's Betty? Is that his friend's wife? What the fuck is Frank? If I was like, "Hey Frank, how's Missy?" You'd be like, "The fuck you asking for, right?" Be a little weird. I'd be like, "What's it to you, scumbag?" <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and you're my friend. Well, <laughs> so... not for nothing. I did get the whole. I wanna. I mean, you're. I I did get the. You know, you're way too hot for this guy. I and I. Oh, and, definitely. And I, She's not even super hot either. That's how bad he is. Yeah, and I can give you the dicking of your life, hon. Yeah, she's got something going on. She's got kind of like a older Faye Dunaway, where she's smoky and. I liked her actually. You know, I thought she was hot. Yeah, and like I, a, I like Faye Dunaway. She like a, Bonnie and Clyde. How about this? She's in the running. Supergirl. She she's in the running for top five hottest cougars of Twilight Zone. Oh God! I mean, the cougars in the show—they don't really have cougars though. Every actress is either twenty-one or sixty-five. Well, so, like, so the character says. <laughs> like every every actress that isn't supposed to be young is severely old. So who's she in the running against? Um, okay, so she's in the running against um, the first fake mannequin chick that the ugly mannequin in After Hours comes up with the gold thimble. She did it for me. I'm going to go for that girl instead. 
that girl wins. Blonde. Yeah. I hated the blonde. I'm gonna go. I I don't remember who she is, but I'm gonna go with her. She had these bangs, and I hate bangs. Uh, Here's the here's my problem, Frank. Last episode. We had someone to come on this show that was so incredibly attractive that it just ruined this for the rest of the season, for the rest of the show for me. It's game over, man. It's it's a. I'm still thinking it. about her. Yeah, it's it's it. It's done. I don't think we need to talk about the women in Twilight Zone anymore. I think it's over. Like our calendar is going to be 12 months of her. I I actually Catwoman. I actually think I saved uh like one recording from last week uh, just of her just because. Just, just you can just finish, get over that hump for the second O. No, I, I actually used her this morning in the fertility clinic. There you go. Yep. It's good to know. A little too personal, but here we go. At least it's not in a, a Holiday Inn. Hey, Missy's turkey basted, baby. Sweet. Oh, yeah. All right, let me go. So, let me have to leash, Frank. Let me you out. called me in. I did not interrupt. I know. I'm not blaming you. I'm just, uh, we need to get back to this. Let's just quickly go through it. He's building little robots. His boss comes in. He doesn't. He thinks it's too expensive. Horace Ford thinks it's very inconsiderate that his boss thinks that his product is very, very expensive and therefore not f- feasible to sell in the market for the price that they were selling it for, which is very fucking reasonable. Horace Ford's like, we got to have the glowing eyes. How can you not have the glowing? I'm like, does a robot need glowing eyes? What the fuck's wrong with this guy? And he keeps talking about, like, do you remember when you used to make tinfoil balls out of tinfoil and you put them together? <laughs> you play a hoopity loop. What the fuck game he made up? I don't know. Mumbly Peg. Was it season one, Frank? I got it. You want, <laughs> but, Would you like me to play it to help you out? If you could, because it's fucking, you'll see how artistic this guy is. Uh, I love you, Greg. I'm sorry. I lost my spot. Me, like, um, That's all right. Um. I just want Greg to know where my. Actually, I want to simplify. Oh, what do you want to simplify? Well, the eyes don't have to light up. Sure, the eyes have to light up. What do you want to ruin the whole thing? The eyes lighting up—that's the beauty part. That's a terrific thing. What's the matter, Horace? Nothing. Well, you're just talking about ruining the whole thing. I don't want to argue about it. I just want the whole design redone, and I need it right away. His wife hears all that outside of her office. She's a little too close to his business partner. So I think they're wife swapping, kind of like trading keys at the end of the night, if you know what I mean. Well, we didn't see the other and, guy's wife, did we? No, we didn't see Betty. Uh, Horace asked about her, but we didn't see her. But uh, the point is, she hears the whole conversation, goes into his office, and is like, hey, Horace, how you doing? Like, acting like she didn't hear shit. And I'm like, you fucking liar. You know exactly what's going on. And he's like, that's eh, fine. Let's just go home. They go home. He's a little too close to his mom, which is a little uh, reminiscent of either miniature or young man's fancy. Somewhere between that, those two creepy fucking episodes with their mom issues. Somewhere in there where it's a grown man child living with his mom versus the grown man child living in his house where his mom used to live and then becomes a child and lives with his ghost mom. Yes, Frank? I'd just like to say, and I want to credit this to uh, over at the Twilight Zone phone because he does the inflation calculation. Apparently, Hor- Horace Ford was making bank, dude. He was making like 156k a year. So there's no reason his mom had to live with him. He could have afforded no. he could have afforded the penthouse for him and that way too hot wife of his and a penthouse suite on the other side of the city as far away as possible you know for his nagging needy mother who she his mom 
had the strangest twist. Because if this were a half-hour episode, his mom would be a minimal role. She'd have nothing to do. She'd just be there. She might even be erased completely. But in this, she's she's there. She's very loving. She's very protective of him. She wants to keep him as a child. But also, at the same time, she wants to reform him that his childhood is bullshit. Randolph Street was bullshit. Everything was shitty. He's just remembering it incorrectly, which ends up being true. But also, why the fuck is she trying to keep him a child when she clearly was shitty to him as a child? I can relate to this whole scenario. Not that my mother lives with me, but whenever she visits her, my mom, and my wife, this this whole situation, if my mother tries to do anything, you know, she'll, she'll throw in jabs at my wife. Like, what? You know... Yeah, I mean, if you know, this is how I take care of my son. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't know what the fuck you're doing, bitch. Like, and then Missy goes, he can put a Band-Aid on his stupid finger himself, I think. <laughs> and I'm like, but it, yeah. but it hurts. It hurts, <laughs> mama. You turn into a young Jewish boy. <laughs> it hurts, mama. It hurts. Hey, can I have my moment in the sun with, you know, and have my mommy pour peroxide on my boo-boo? And then kiss it, make it feel all better. What's wrong with that? All right. You asking me or are you asking the general audience here listening? Because it's a very different answer you're going to get. Because me, I'm like, oh, I don't want my mom to do a goddamn thing. I love my mommy. So do I. I don't want her to do a goddamn thing. I want her to blow my boo-boo, make it feel better, and give you a kiss. I feel like I could take care of myself better than she could take care of me, though. That's a little bit different than my mom. Well, yeah, considering my mother hasn't gotten out of a chair in about three weeks, through three <laughs> months, she lost 40 pounds, and now she's gaining it back. And But so she still can't walk because her feet are the size. She's basically one big... You make this show real fun, Frank. She's one big water balloon about to pop. You make this show so much fun to do. My life is one tragedy after another. Let's move on. Yeah, it's just like a, a sad clown after another, just getting out of a car. And it was like, oh, there's the last one. I no, was upset this morning that the fertility, cl- another one. the fertility clinic did not have a farm animal again for me to go into the room sad with. Clown. Another sad clown. I asked them the last another time. One. You know, They told me no lotion and spit. You know? <laughs> Another sad clown. And I said, well, how about Oh, he died. He got ran over by the rest of them. Oh, no, he's getting trampled to death. Oh, God, he is a truly a sad clown. Oh, God. So it's a true story. he keeps... Does this guy not have the best boss in the fucking world? Right. Horace Ford. He has the best... He screams at his face so many times. And he drew a very offensive picture of him. Like a Jew, like a Japanese stereotype drawing from the, from the World know. War II for the internment camps. Like... It's, it's so bad. It's the type. He had like eyes like this, like slanted on both of them. He looked like a robot with slanted Japanese eyes. And a Fu Manchu. Yeah. So racist. And he screams at his boss. His boss is like, I need you to redo this. He's a little aggressive, but he's like, I need you to redo it. It's like too expensive. And he's like, I'm not going to redo it. I'm not crazy. You're crazy. And Horace Ford just grabs his hat and coat and walks out of the office and slams the door. And his boss is like, all right. Go back to my office, deal with this guy later. And I didn't see him fire him, did you? Later. Later on, way later. I'm not even going to get into the flashback shit yet. We're just going to the main story. And then we'll talk about the flashback shit. Because I feel like that's really what the episode is. 
But later on, Horace Ford comes back to work after some shit. He's going through his midlife crisis at age 38. And his boss is like, hey, Horace, I want you to take some time off because you're I feel like you need to talk to a psychiatrist. You're having some fucking mental issues. I cannot deal with at this place. We make goddamn toys. Calm the fuck down. Why are you so stressed out? Dude, I would have been out the door before he finished his fucking sentence. (laughs) I haven't had a fucking week's vacation in 11 years. He didn't say if it was paid or not. I don't give a shit. Don't give a shit. (laughs) Yeah, he said Horace is like his ego takes over and he's like, I'm not crazy. You're crazy. Twilight Zone, the biggest quote of the Twilight Zone I can name. And uh, he's like, I'm not going to take a, you know, I'm not going to leave. You're a fucking asshole. And he's like, all right, well, you're not needed anymore. So bye-bye, bro. And Horace is like, okay. Horace gets fired, goes home, and instead of being like, the fucking pot. He's like, goes home, and his wife's waiting for him, answers the door, and he's like, I ate a hot dog at the bus station. <laughs> I know, it's like, <laughs> what the fuck? I eat it in the men's room in the stall, the third stall, that dirty one. The other ones are taken, but I'm pretty sure that your guy's jerking off or getting head. I ate a floater right. in stall four. I ate a floater in the hot dog. It was delicious. I didn't even notice. <coughs> What's the difference, I say? He's turning into Philip Seymour Hoffman when I do it. Dude, great Dude. <coughs> Dude, 10 points for a great look-alike character of this idiot. <laughs> we need him to... We need. I wish Philip Seymour Hoffman was still alive so we could have him do it. I mean, we're talking Philip Seymour Hoffman as Capote. Yeah. I was just going to say, the glasses. <laughs> now, the only when thing, I suck cock... He's a little too I suck cock with no teeth. Okay. Now, the senators say we're going to go... Wait, just, ugh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna sell this robot toy. I want those glowing eyes. You know what I'm saying? I want those glowing eyes, and I'm gonna put them in there. And we're gonna take those glowing eyes, and we're gonna make them toys out of them. And then we put cameras on them and spy on the commies. Commies meaning guys, if you know what I mean. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. So he gets fired. He goes home, eats a hot dog at the train station for some fucking reason, and then goes home. I guess he wants to die of. Uh some sort of bacterial infection. In, intestinal parasites is this guy's way of having a midlife crisis. Yep. Most guys get a convertible. This guy's like, I want to go ahead and stuff my my gullet full of intestinal parasites. Either A, through the hot dog, or B, through the men's room that I ate it at. <laughs> God. It's like, it's been five days, and I haven't taken a poo since that hot dog. I think something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had to go back in time to a childhood to take a poo. That's how far disconnected I had to get the <laughs> shit. Do you understand how bad this hot dog was? Okay? I don't think you get it, Laura. It's bad. It was a quantum hot dog. <laughs> it's a time travel poo. That's what this episode should be called. <laughs> I just I just feel like this episode, we're not even touching on the, the time travel aspect. So that's what I want to save for last. I purposely cut that out in case you didn't notice. If you want to call it that, yes. Yes, that's what I want to get down to. That's, that's what we're going to spend most of our time discussing. I, we're about I'm, 27 minutes in right now, 26 and a half. I'm very versed in it. You are too. And I can't wait to hit it with you. And, and that, I just have some real fucking issues with it. But first, let me just say the mom. Ugh. When, he qu- when he gets fired from his job, he comes home. 
admits to eating a, a, a third stall bathroom hot dog at a men's bathroom at the at the bus station. A beef. Loader. His wife is like, his wife who has infinite fucking patience is like, it's fine. We'll get another job. I get it. It's fine. You'll get another job. Not a big deal. There are plenty of men's room you can eat other hot dog shaped things in and make money. It's fine. We'll make money. We'll survive. And his mom is like, I'm 61. My life's fucking over. What have I done wrong? It's over. It's over. Goodbye. I will not I will not go quietly into the good night. And she just keeps going and going. I'm like, calm the fuck down, bitch. Your son lost his job. If he makes what Frank said, 100 and something K a year, he's got quite a, quite a savings, quite a nest egg in the stock market, and he's going to be fine for at least a couple weeks, right? I have it. Would you like to hear this woman lose her shit? I would, because she's fucking lunatic. She's a goddamn lunatic that raised an autistic child. Dude, I call this one, oh my God, I hate this woman. <laughs> yeah, she's terrible. But you're fired. $140 a week. Do you think you can find $140 a week on the street? What's going to happen? Pause. Dude, $140 a week. How many calls to St. Louis is that? that? That's like I mean, 180 Dude, that's all. They're loaded. You could talk to St. Louis all day and all night, dude. How much a week? 170? 140 something. This is say play it again. Let's, play it just again. Just round up to 150. I think it was 200. 200 calls to St. Louis a week? 200 calls to St. Hold on. He has to first go to Ohio, but then 200 a week. We don't even know where he is now. New York. Are we sure? Yeah, it's clearly New York. Like Randolph Street. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay. okay. Well, dude, that means. Okay, so okay, so the inverse law scale, the inverse law. Never mind. Move on. Uh, I mean, I mean, thank I you mean, for admitting defeat. Yeah, I don't know. Because all of a sudden, my whole life is going before me. Because all about I her. I don't know why. I can't tell you what it is. She's like five octaves above what she needs to be. I'm 61 years old. 61. It's time. I shouldn't be afraid anymore. Why don't That's you like look at me when I'm talking yet. to you? What's going to happen to me? Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. I'm like, finally. She, you know, I did put in my notes that the wife yells, shut up at the mom. <laughs> well, and I thought I love she it. finally said it. Like, she's been, you know, the mom's been earning that shut up for a while. <laughs> I mean, the wife is the most patient person in the world. His boss, most patient boss I've ever seen. If I said some of the things, I've, I have said a lot of the same kind of things. Not really. A lot more curse words and go fuck yourselves. But still, you know, uh, this his boss was the most understanding man. At, yeah. Like, wow. All of them are. 
His boss and his wife are incredibly understanding at a level that is like superhuman. And I think it's because they know he's on the spectrum, so they don't want to <clears throat> be looked at like you're, you're like, uh, you can't treat them the same as normies, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, a little autismo guilt where they're like, I hired the guy I knew very well, probably shouldn't have, but here we are. Do you mind seeing a psychiatrist? No. Okay, bye-bye. I tried everything I could. My wife told me to give you every single bit of credit I could, and here we are. Bye-bye, Horace Ford. And his wife's like, I don't think his wife would ever give up. She's like the sweetest fucking person in the world. I, I mean, dude, they could have grown up together, and maybe she caught a peek of him showering once and said, oh, my God, he's got a third leg. Yeah, he's got a... His dick is so big, it's on the spectrum. (laughs) Because it's so big, it has to cross over someone in the spectrum. Just by size alone, some of it has to be autistic. Just because it's like 55 pounds. It's just some of it, uh, by odds alone, has to be autistic. It's an autistic cock. It's it's crazy. (laughs) Every time time he pulls it out to take a piss, the Earth's (laughs) axis moves ever so slightly. (laughs) And every once in a while, it's like, tss, shoots off to the side, because some of it's autistic. And if you're in the way of it, you're fucked. <clears throat> it doesn't care about social norms or anything, or, you know, policity, so it's like getting hard in really weird situations. But everyone's like, oh my, oh my god. Oh, they're almost like dumbfounded, like it's a fucking two-headed freak at the circus, like P.T. Barnum is, is going to come out and introduce it. They're just like, holy shit, that thing is throbbing. I can see the vein, even though it's in your pants. Question, do you think it could have been what was in Martellus Wallace's case at the end of Pulp Fiction? Glowing? Well, glowing. Would have been dead I by do. Now. They would have Yeah, gold. it's like a glowing, uh, like a the, the a dick of what could have been, like the uh, some sort of... The biggest mule ever. Okay. I picture a, a golden case, like a half circle... That has to hold that thing like a half uh, oh, cylinder. A couple loops. You got to have a big one. A fitness suitcase. Whoa. Let's just go that size. But it's got to be like this, where it's like, takes up most of the suitcase, where it's just like his dick in there. Right. And everyone's like, holy shit. It's beautiful. <laughs> I'm going to take me out dancing. And everyone just sees it, and they're just like, holy shit, that's fucking crazy. Yep. And Sam Jackson changes his fucking life for it. He gives up a life of crime for it. That dick is that impressive. And you can see the vein through through fucking corduroys. It's crazy. And he picks up muffins. He does. Yeah. It's fucking that big. It's got to be right, Frank. A, a, a mummified dick in a suitcase. I'm convinced. It's still no. that big. I'm convinced, dude. Because <clears throat> if you see it and it's mummified and it's still the size of a suitcase, you are gonna worship that thing. I mean, even if it's mummified, you had to lose at least 10% because of water. <laughs> I would assume more than 10%, but yeah. But, I mean, but... Uh, after 30 years? Yeah, but if you get to it fast enough, you know, because, I mean, you, you know... Moving on. <clears throat> <I've>... <laughs> no, no. No, no. We need to focus on this guy's dick. 
<laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> I don't know how he got to Pulp Fiction. <laughs> you brought it up randomly, but we need to focus on the time travel aspect here because we're at 35 minutes close to. Okay, well, do you, do you want, okay, so, um, yeah, that was her going, yeah, but what about me? You're fired. I don't know. I don't think we need any more clips for now. Well, let's see. Um, for the time travel I thi- thing. Um, yeah. I just want to look to see if there's anything that's short and sweet and and worth um, listening to. And if not, we'll go right to it. And it, uh, no. Go. I have He Becomes a Boy. So if you, if you are you playing a clip or well, what? Do you, okay, so if you want, I'll play. <laughs> you, I'll, you lost me there. <laughs> I'm going to play a clip of how he becomes a boy, and then we'll take over from the time travel there, because then that's how he really time traveled. So hold on a second. Um, Can I set up the time travel real quick while you're looking? No, no, I got it right here. I just feel like we haven't touched it yet. Hey, Sai. Oh. Come on, what are you giving me the treatment for? It's him talking to the kids, finally. This is the very end. Will you listen? Will you please listen to me? I couldn't help it. I'm telling you, fellas, you gotta give me a chance. Hermie, I'm your best friend. Will you listen to me just for a minute? Well, if it ain't Horace Maxwell Ford. Horace Maxwell Ford. The birthday boy. Why didn't you invite us to your party, Horace Maxwell Ford, you dopey nut? We're gonna mobilize ya! God, please, no! He did say we're gonna marbleize you. I don't know what that means. He's supposed to say mobilize. Mobilize you? What does that even mean? Like, like they're going to mob on him. I watched it with subtitles today. So did I. So it says mobilize. I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> sure, shouldn't it say marbleize? No. But I like how I asked for a little moment to clarify the time travel, and you go ahead and just play the ending. No, no, no. I, I figured <laughs> I, I would I would, ha- I would, would start, like, because all he does was, what, it's like three times the guy... The little kid run, runs past him, knocks into that stupid watch he holds on to. Hit, hit. Pause. It's the exact same thing three times in a row. Yep. That's my biggest fucking issue with this episode. Yep. yep. Oh, second biggest issue. Can I go for a moment here? No. Just for a minute. I will raise my hand if I want to talk. If not, I am shutting up. I'm just going to go for a minute and not, not pause at all. My biggest problem with this episode is first his big his like big revelation is oh I miss childhood where we used to play around and play tag, and then d- and play tag some more and I'm like that's fucking it he, like it would be different if he had like a different love like he was in love with a girl at thirteen and something like that where he had like an actual emotion attached to it. But here's the fucking problem. This episode is he's looking back fondly on these times when he used to play these like simple grab ass games with his boyfriends back then, and there's no actual storyline or emotion connected to it. So by the time it's revealed that he didn't invite these fucking boyfriends to his birthday party, who gives a shit? They kick his ass by mobilizing him, not marbleizing. <laughs> and that's the big reveal at the end: is that oh, 
childhood sucked. I shouldn't have been so fond of my childhood because they kicked my ass one time because I didn't invite them. So therefore, I was the culprit there. I don't know what the point of this episode is. And Mark Scott Zickery in the in the the commentary when I listened to is like, oh, this great episode. And again, not making fun of him or, def- or faulting him in any way. I just I didn't have that emotional connection to either a the character, b the story. Or just at all connect to the story at all in any way in my life. I'm like, I fucking hated childhood. I don't know about you, Frank. I don't want to go back to that time. I would never fucking want to go back there. Every single year I get away from it is great. It's better than the year before. (laughs) Just because it's further away from that shit. I hated school because I was always the new fat kid. Not even school. I don't even care about school. I just don't want to deal with home life at that age. Good God. Fuck that. I would not go back to that for a billion dollars. No. Yeah. no. I'll stay poor as, as where I am now. I don't care. It's just none of it connected. It didn't make any sense. He go, He has the exact same steps when he goes back as I walk through the town. Some guy offers me a hot dog for three cents. I say, no, thank you. I walk. Some woman yells out her window for a son how she's going to kick his ass. I take two steps. Some guy starts to walk by with another cart for 25-cent fruit. I go, and I walk into another guy down the stairs. And then I walk, in and I pick up the little basket of fucking hay for the old lady. Where the fuck she's carrying? What is she carrying? I don't know what that is. Oh, it was, um, it was wheat. It, yeah, why the fuck are you carrying a big bundle of wheat in the middle of the city? It's beyond fucking me. Well, they but make bread picks in it the up, city. Hands it to her, not that fucking old lady, that's for sure. No, no, she sells Hands it, it to, to her the ba- to the bakers. <sighs> no, <laughs> but <laughs> walks away, sees those kids walking by, talking about their fucking mumbly peg game, whatever the fuck it's called at that time. Who knows? Grab ass finger in the hole. Rivizo, Rivizo. They're playing Rivideo. That's it. And he walks away, grabs his fucking watch, looks at it for no reason. They. A little fucking gap tooth kid runs into him, drops the watch, runs away, looks at him, and he's like, and they say his name, where the fuck it is, like, plot device kid, Deus Ex Machina kid, whatever the fucking name is, hey, let's go, let's take some fruit, and then he, first time he does nothing, hold on, Frank, second time, he chases him a little bit down the alley, and hears a little bit of the conversation, like this, like, oh, Oh, he didn't invite us to his birthday party. And then he gets woken up for some reason. It didn't make any sense. It just cut away. It cut away, but in reality, the character would have stayed there for the whole conversation. They didn't make any sense. And the third time he hears the whole conversation, he gets ass kicked by a bunch of eight-year-olds. Fuck this episode, Frank. I fucking hated it. Well, I, fu- I fucking hated it. He did get his ass kicked by it. eight-year-olds because he all of a sudden turned like eight. I've had a dr- I had a dream like this when I was a kid. I was a teenager. Where suddenly I was a kid in the dream. Okay. And I woke up and wrote it down. Really? I still have it somewhere. The, the whole dream? Yeah. I wrote the whole dream down. Nice. I'm impressed. I wrote it into a short story. It's somewhere on my computers. I don't know if I have it anymore, how, but it's there. Can I ask how many words or chapters constitutes a short story? Like seven, eight pages. Short story. Do you have to have an ending? It has an ending. It does have one. Because the dream had an ending. But it was one where I literally turned into a child in the dream. And I woke up in the middle of the night and wrote it down on my computer. 
And I was like, what the fuck was that? I need to write this down. Well, so I wrote it down as beat by beat. Well, I mean, did did you at least type it on another computer and then get some screen um, cleaner, wipe it off your computer, and then transfer it over? Because why would you write that on your onto your computer? I mean, you type it on there. I, I was in the middle of the night, you know, <laughs> one in the morning, and I was like, hey, my ballpoint pen wants to write in this fucking screen. And I was like, and I carved it in there, and it's there permanently. It was a reach, I know. And I had to write over the last page that I wrote, but it's it's I, I made sense of it later, so we'll figure it out. I I'll wrote post it if it's available. How about that on the website? Right on, right on. I really want to look into that and see if that story is still intact somewhere. It's not very good, but it's something. It's literally just a dream, and I wrote it out. So what? I mean, don't blame me. At some point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's not your creative juices flowing. It's what you dreamt. You can't create what you dream. I mean, it's mine, but it's also not mine. You know what I mean? Speaking of dreaming, scientists just did crack a huge, like, uh, REM sleep so, um, sleeping thing where your brain erases um, everything that it thinks you don't need to remember every time you sleep. Yeah. Insane, Makes sense. Right? I don't know why they had to look into that. I just assume that. Now, I'm the rare case where my brain does that while I'm awake. <laughs> your brain, your brain, Frank. Yeah. If I had a government grant, I would, uh, i dissect that shit what? while you're alive. I, was gonna I, say, dead, I don't I gotta, care. I just take that shit out of your skull and just look at it. Dude, that's cool. Just put it onto a computer. I would live forever. I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that at all. It's coming, dude. Yo, watch the new um, Black Mirror episode. Dude, me and you will eventually be fucking instead of fighting on Street Fighter, dude. I'm telling you. Street Fighter like John claude Van Damme Street Fighter from 1994? No, no, no. Like the video game. Yeah. Yeah. Which is based on the video game from 1990. Okay, fine. My point being... 1980. My point being is it's where... You know, um, you put this, you know, uh, the chip on the side of your temple. And the, I saw Transcendence you, you know, with Johnny Depp. Fuck, fuck Johnny Depp. My point being is, you know, <laughs> yes. um, you know, you put the earbud in, you put the chips on your forehead temple thingy here. And you take the chip right out and you shake it all about. Yeah, and then you go onto the game and instead of fighting, you just start fucking each other. Even though and you're you two do the hokey pokey and you pull it all out and you spray the white stuff all about. Oh, sorry. Yep, yep, exactly, dude. Crazy. Crazy. And it's literally already been created. They're just trying to make the scaled down version. Let me just say this. I want no part of this. I can't wait because I want to know what a female orgasm feels like. <laughs> it does seem way more exciting than ours, right? I have been told it is. I've seen the reactions to it, and it is way more than mine. Mine are like, oh, yeah, I got there. Thanks, yeah. bye. And mine's one every three days. Hers is 13 yeah. times an hour. It's not fair. <laughs> no, but it's, it's yeah, it does seem way more exciting. It's also way harder to get there where you're like, uh, 90% there and back to 20%. Okay. It feels like a video game you're getting pushed back from. Not, no, you're not going to win. Not, not with me, ladies. Every time you get there, every time. 
It's moving on. Um, Sorry, that was a lie silence. That was weird. Like, every time the show detects silence, it, it means there's a lie involved. And there's a weird gap there where nothing <laughs> happened. That was weird. I've never failed to please. My record is, I'm no lie, like, like 37 times in one hour. That's averaging like 40, whatever. So anyway, in this episode... Frank, seriously, let's let's get down into this. The time travel aspect. Yay or nay? As far as did they pull it off right or Yeah, I'm not going into the because really in the end you're looking at does it scientifically make sense as time travel? I would say no. But also I'd say story wise, no. Because he really could what could have happened in reality is he walked to down a dirty street alley. Got his ass kicked by some homeless guys. His wife found him. He saw that he's getting his ass kicked by a bunch of kids. You know what I mean? So who cares about that? Did it work as story? No. Not at all, right? It didn't fit at all. And here's the problem. That's the main, that's the crux of the episode. It hinges on this time travel. It is um, a lady, I think, of Cliffordville, the last episode. A walking distance. Uh, what's the fucking train one where the guy jumps off at the end? Why can't I think of the name of it? It's the name of the town. Point is, it's the it's the it's the uh, think of your past and go there episode. Live in a simpler time episode. Midlife crisis episode. Rod Serling he loves his midlife crisis crisis episodes, right? Sure, sure, sure. But this one doesn't work in. Any way for me, I hated the main character throughout most of the episode until he got really sad and sympathetic. I love the wife. The mom sucked. The boss is awesome. Yeah. But they were gone in the episode. None of it worked for me. Also, 16 millimeter shrine. Yeah. That's another one. 